Hi, it's Dina. We have something a little different for you this week. It's a conversation about what has become a major industry in Southeast Asia, based on scamming. We've covered a number of scam operations on Click Here. We've talked to people on the receiving end of romance scams, the so-called Yahoo Boys in Nigeria, even dedicated call centers out of North Korea. This week, we're featuring an excerpt from the Underworld podcast, which is a show that covers, well, the underworld, organized crime, warlords, traffickers. In this episode, which dropped last year, host Sean Williams sits down with reporters Nathan Southern and Lindsay Kennedy to talk about how Chinese gangsters, crypto scams, cybercrime, extortion, and human trafficking have all come together and created a population of cyber slaves. And these centers of digital servitude have been popping up around casino towns in Southeast Asia. And just a heads up, in addition to being rather shocking, this episode includes some strong language. Take a listen. On January 28 this year, a Bangkok local government official is checking the Facebook page of a volunteer group he's set up to help folks struggling financially during the pandemic. Among the messages, there's a disturbing video from an 18-year-old Thai girl, her eyes swollen from crying. I'm in a building opposite the karaoke bar, says the girl. She traveled from Bangkok to the Thai-Cambodia border, she adds, where she's been promised a job in the seedy Cambodian casino town of Poi Pet. But everything has gone tragically wrong. Once across the border, she's been told her new role will actually be to scam strangers online. And if she wants to leave, her father will have to pay 40,000 baht, over a thousand US dollars. I know everything. And I'm afraid that he'll kill me, she says, referencing the boss who has tricked her into this criminal world. I don't know what he'll do to the others after this, and I don't know if I can contact you again. I've heard that at least 20 or 30 people have died. The official, Ekapop Luang Prasat, is bemused at first. Perhaps this video is a scam, he wonders. But the Thai team sends location details and photos from her Cambodian compound. And in the coming months, Dozens more trafficking victims share their own stories, sent into slavery, casino towns all over Southeast Asia, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar. Each one has a tale of misery orchestrated by Chinese gangsters. Hotspots like Poi Pet and Sihanoukville in Cambodia and the Golden Triangle Special Economic Zone in Laos, the home of notorious casino, the King's Romans, are the worst hit. As the pandemic's halting of tourism, forces local crooks to branch into even more violent crimes. These special economic zones, or SEZs, are tax havens, legal no-man's lands, criminal black holes patrolled by private security instead of cops, where kingpins and gambling millionaires hold sway rather than politicians or local laws. These tales are just the tip of an iceberg of massive organized crime, deadly mafias, narco-trafficking, human slavery and entire cities created just to serve a lucrative new market in cybercrime. The SEZs might just be the most lawless places on earth. Welcome to the Underworld Podcast. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily. 
from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Dina, and this is Click Here. This week, we're featuring part of an episode from the Underworld podcast. They did a deep dive into the world of Southeast Asian cyber slavery, which revolves around casinos in a special economic zone in the Golden Triangle. That's where Laos, Thailand, and Cambodia meet along the Mekong River. It's long been an area with a kind of Wild West lawlessness. It used to be all about heroin and drug trafficking, but more recently, it's gone more tech. It's a center of scamming operations and human trafficking. And reporters Nathan Southern and Lindsay Kennedy traveled there in 2021 to see it for themselves. Now back to the show. Hi, guys, and welcome to another edition of the podcast where we teach you all the life hacks you'll need to sneak into a Chinese mafia-run casino. I'm your host, Sean Williams, in Berlin. I'm a freelance writer, reporter, podcaster, and future consultant in German bureaucracy. And I'm joined today by Nathan Southern, a security specialist investigating conflict, trafficking, drugs, war, Terra and Lindsay Kennedy, a journalist, photographer, videographer, focused on security and human rights. Nathan, Lizzie, pleasure to have you both here. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, so you guys are both in Glasgow, Scotland, after a long journey from Southeast Asia. And uh, I just want to make clear that the story I just led this show with is not my own. It's taken from a recent feature you both wrote yourselves for The Diplomat, about this giant, crazy network of so-called slaves for scams, um, and SEZ, some of which we've gotten into with our episode on the billion-dollar meth lab. So, I mean, obviously, you went on this crazy trip into the region, and you've seen a lot of stuff. You mentioned to me before we came on that you actually went out in May, right? And you went to the King's, well, you went to the, the yeah. King's Romans Casino. Unbelievably weird bonkers place uh tell us a little bit more about that because uh i assume it didn't all go to plan and wasn't just your average trip down the local gambling den <laughs> as as i often do <laughs> what the fuck am i talking about 
so we got a we got a truck and we drove um, over to Bokeo Province, where it is in in, in Laos. The truck actually broke down uh, about two a.m. at the checkpoint into Bokeo, and we we're trying to keep like a low profile, just acting like you know tourists. I got my backwards cap on, like hey, hey man, just here to see the casino. And then we we break down, and we spend the night with the Bokeo uh, cops. Um, we just got to watch them though and see that every single Chinese freight truck that comes through, not one of them was checked for anything. But every mm-hmm. single Lao truck that came through, there was like a wee handover of uh, cigarettes or sometimes energy drinks. That seems to be the the new bribe for these guys. And then we eventually get to. Um, you know, near the uh, the SEZ. And on the way to King's Romans, they really, really pick up. And they stop you, and they open up the door, and they're, like, super excited, the cops. And they're like, Ni hao. And I look at you surprised, like, because, you know, I'm not a Chinese dude. And they're like, really surprised. And they go, oh, oh, are you here to work? Like, uh, d- d- uh, no, 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 just here to visit. And then, okay, and they look really confused. And then we go on. And we go up to the gate of King's Romans and the place is just like this city. It's it's like a small city, completely covered in barbed wire with like a shit ton of security all surrounding it. And the main gate is similar to the old uh, scam place in Cambodia. It's just almost exclusively Mercedes G-Wagons with Chinese dudes with tattoos just driving through, flashing a badge, not getting stopped. And the only cars getting checked are the ones coming out. And they just check the trunks of those cars. We realize, all oh, right, so you're, you're looking for people who have maybe escaped. Mm-hmm. And we go up to the desk and we say, hey, we're just here to, you know, go to the casino. We're just, uh, you know, love a bit of uh, Baccarat or, or whatever. And uh, the lady almost gives us a pass, but looks really, really confused. And then says, oh, no, no, I, I think you need to go to the uh, the other queue. Like, yeah, okay, so, so we go to the other queue and then everyone is just a really, really kind of poor and kind of sad-looking Lao person um, waiting in queues. Maybe there's a hundred of them. And all of their documents and all of their money seem to be held by these Chinese dudes with the black T-shirts and the and the tattoos again. And we go up and the the lady at the desk of this processing queue just asks her nationality and just says, oh, Indonesian? I'm like, I, well, well, no. And Ukrainian? No. And she went, oh, you won't be on the list yet. And we have like, not actually said her names. And we're trying to work out what was going on. And she said, it's okay, it's okay. Um, just sit down there. Someone will come and take your blood and then we'll get you processed. And now the thing that we heard about happening in Cambodia, which the Chinese authorities and the Cambodian authorities got really, really touchy about, were these stories where people weren't making money in the scam centers. So they started taking them as blood slaves so they could sell their blood for transfusions around the world. And that started to get back to China. (laughs) Yeah, man. And it started to really freak people out in China. So they shut this down really quickly, arrested people that made this claim, right? And then we're looking around and like, oh, they want to take our blood uh the only people going in are really poor Lao people with all their documents and all the money uh with these chinese gangsters and realize oh shit we're in the trafficking queue everyone here is about to get trafficked in a cage we have to do after brexit (laughs) (laughs) i'm like maybe we should just like give it a go and see what happens if lindsay was a bit smarter and said no let's not get trafficked today (laughs) so we start talking to people like through google translate and and we're saying to the lady like 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 one one woman's about to go through like are you sure you want to go in like it, it, we've heard uh, our friends have been told that they're not allowed to leave and she looked like not surprised but like scared and like kind of waved us away really quick mm. and then i tried to speak to some of the what was essentially the traffickers on google translate it was actually quite hard with mandarin and english um but they were kind of willing to 
talk and then they started getting kind of aggressive and then we and then we had to leave um, and then we just kind of went around the outside and we, we realized we couldn't we couldn't get into the compound at all and thought all right well there's there's no way of getting in there but on on um, on on uh, Google Maps it's saying that the casino was busier than the normal so <laughs> they're saying that the casino was closed it's clearly not we were just not the right Chinese gangster to get in and then we get to Thailand about six weeks later and then it's opened up a bit more and we were able to cross over from the Thai sites into King's Romans and you just get a little speedboat you go over people go over to gamble for the day or eat tiger or pangolin or whatever it is they do and then we get in and just instantly you just see the slave compounds they're the exact same way that we've seen them in in Bokeo, um in you know Phnom Penh Sinoville all throughout Cambodia all throughout Laos and they're the exact same like makeshift compounds that are built with barbed wire all about a dozen stories high and maybe about 10 buildings all together and the taxi drivers instantly like that's the call centers people aren't allowed to leave and he also said that you have to have a special pass to go towards the entrance and the exit that takes you out to Laos. So yeah, the place is weird. Um, it's more quiet. It's got a fake. Uh, it's got a fake Starbucks um, that also sells. I have uh, been, I, I've <laughs> been to this place. Have you been? I've been yeah. to this place. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. fucking terrible, yeah, man. Yeah. The, the the menu though, I thought the Starbucks looked really good. It was just lowercase, not all capitals, or you wouldn't have even known. <laughs> and you look at the menu, and and they've got some you know Starbucks classics like a small handful of meat. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you always have that with a latte in the morning when you get out for work? <laughs> <laughs> so in this slaves to scam trade how are people usually lured into doing what they're doing and, and what happens when they step foot in the SCZ I mean like how does the whole process go from start to finish of capturing these people forcing them into slavery so everyone we've spoken to has been um, approached over social media in some form or another. Some of it's people who are already inside the scam centres um, are told then to try and recruit more people. Um, but often it's just ads will come up that just say, like, there's a job in, like, admin or, like, online trading, but you get full training and it's, like, really good money and you get free accommodation and all this kind of stuff. Um, but one of the sort of more pernicious things we've been hearing is that social media influencers who are really popular in Thailand and Vietnam and Cambodia, especially sort of, like, beauty um, influences that kind of thing are being approached and asked to sort of talk about these great jobs that have come up inside the casino oh, complexes wow. um yeah and that's how at least some of the girls especially girls that have been ended up in in um for sex work have been brought into this as well and um there's like kids as young as 14 we've, uh, we've 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 talked to rescuers who have trying to get out kids who are as young as 14 that have been recruited over social media and they're just basically told as long as you can use a phone and understand the internet and you speak one of these languages like either Chinese or Thai or Vietnamese or English or a combination of a couple of different ones, um, then, yeah, that's all you need to do and you'll get really paid really good money. So once they're then brought into an SEZ or a casino complex, what often happens is that because they are sort of self-contained Chinese-run places, they then say you've got to do a couple of weeks quarantine as well, still now, even after most quarantines have been lifted. Mm. Um they um, And then they'll have to pay things like we were saying we saw on the gate. They'll have other extra costs all the way. The trafficker will have paid for um, 
you know, pay for all their travel and everything and just say, you know, pay us back out of your first paycheck. Um, and then they'll arrive, they'll have to pay admin fees, they'll have to pay to have blood tests or blood taken and uh, COVID tests and all these things. And what they don't know is all of this is being added up and added up and added up. So by the time they come out of the quarantine period, they're told, oh, that job we told you you had, that doesn't exist anymore. Um, so you're going to have to work on this online scam. Um, and a lot of people, most people at that point say, I'm not working an online scam, I want to go home. And they say, well, the thing is that you now owe us $10,000. So mm. because we've paid for X, Y, Z. So it's your standard debt bondage situation, basically. Um, and then um, what we were told by the guy that we interviewed in Laos, who'd been in there for six months, is that every month that you don't, you're, you then are forced to sign a six-month minimum contract. Um, but they tell you, you can leave after six months. Um, but on your first month, um, they'll say, oh, well, you didn't meet all your targets for scamming people this month. Um, so we're going to subtract your room and board from what you, you know, from what you get paid. And then the next month, you know, you take even more money out of that because you still haven't met your targets. And it goes down and down and down until you start owing them even more money. So your debt is growing every month. Um, and then it gets to five and a half months and they say, yeah, you're not profitable. We're going to sell you to another company. And at that point, your six month contract starts all over again. So there are people who just are trapped in there for years on end because they get sold every couple of months and every single time their contract resets. But because there's a kind of semblance of a con- of some kind of legality, because there are contracts flying around and there seem to be people are getting paid something, it really confuses the police and authorities as well. So it makes it even harder to deal with. Um, but yeah, once inside these places, they're locked. They're often locked inside dorms where they're not allowed to leave the dorm buildings at all for the six months. They do everything, eat in there and everything. Um, and they are tortured or threatened um, or beaten if they try to leave. People have told us that if they don't hit their targets or they try and take a photo or, or other small sort of you know infractions, they end up being put in solitary confinement, um, have food withheld. Like people are jumping out of windows, um, just really awful stuff. It's quite, uh, it's quite dark. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and so, I guess we went into it a bit before, but how does this scam actually work? How are they actually getting money from people? How are they making all of this cash? The scams usually follow the the same formula, basically, where you'll be in these compounds, um, and you know there's dozens and dozens of these compounds and and dozens of cities across Southeast Asia now. And what happens is within each compound, there is maybe like uh, ten dorm rooms on each floor, and each dorm room will be running a different type of scam. They usually f- follow a similar formula, where you'll sit down and they'll go into like a romance scam situation where you'll pretend to be a pretty Singaporean lady, basically. And you will use Facebook, you'll use WeChat, you'll use uh, Tinder, basically any social media they basically have data on potential marks that you can target online. And I guess these are probably pretty lonely middle-aged dudes that might be susceptible to a, a pretty lady speaking to them on the internet and may have a little bit of cash in their pocket. Say it's a, you know, a, a guy from Laos, he'll be sitting there and his job will be to entice seven men a day into the next stage. And what the plan is with each of these people is start building a relationship and if they want to have like pictures or phone conversations, there is a pretty lady in the room that they can hand over the phone for. So they're all kind of like working together to make it quite seamless. The plan is to try to get them to invest in some kind of usually crypto scheme or some other type of investment. Sometimes it's gold, which is really big in that part of the world. And they're targeting people from everywhere. It depends on what language you speak. So it could be targeting Thai people, it could be targeting Chinese, it could be targeting Americans, Indians, anyone 
right? So if you're getting targeted online, there's a good chance that the people doing it are actually victims of slavery themselves trying to push through this formula. And then they'll say, hey, listen, I've got this like great idea for, uh, for making a bit of money. And what they'll often do is they'll replicate uh, an actual crypto website uh, and they'll make it look exactly the same. And they'll send the link to it first. And like, oh, yeah, yeah this, looks, this looks good. And they'll send over the link of the replica and then people put money in. And it's the same, it's like it's all this time, right? So they'll put a bit of money in and then they'll get that money back. So they maybe get a small return, like 20%, if mm-hmm. you put in like three or four grand. And then the guy's like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not being scammed, right? And then maybe they even start talking about marriage and it gets deeper. And they may put a bit more money in and again, might get it back. And then they go for the big one. And then you have people putting in their entire life savings. And then all that happens is, boom, the website's gone, conversation ceases, that profile shut down, and you don't hear from them again. Um, and there's just no way to trace it. There's no way to know where your, your money's actually went because they're actually quite sophisticated in how the, the kind of cyber aspect of it works. Um, and they've got seven of them going a day. Uh, and then they'll get another seven the next day. So the amount of money these places are making is is just enormous, which is why we, you know, we know that this continues in known sites and compounds in busy cities because the money's going to senior government, it's going to senior military people because there's just so much cash flying around that it's really, really, there's not much incentive to stop poor people getting trafficked. No one appears to be stopping them. I mean, you mentioned Pop and his Facebook group and... Um, rescuing up to 140 people of at last count uh, from these scams. Like, who is actually, is there anyone else helping with this effort? Is police or governments trying to get involved or are these SCZs just completely off the map and, uh, and sort of, yeah, unenforceable? Um- I think actually it's, it's really complicated because there are actually a lot of people who are really upset about this. There are lots of individual police and like um, and soldiers, especially in Thailand actually, because a lot of, there aren't really any of these SEZ scams that we know of within Thailand itself. But there's a lot of Thai victims in Laos and, and Myanmar and Cambodia, um, and like there have actually been re- rescue missions. I say sort of like rescue missions, but like in order to be rescued normally you would have had to pay some form of ransom first um, and then the police go in and sort of make a big deal out of how they're rescuing people, but they've actually just negotiated a, a ransom. Mm. But there have been rescue missions where um, like the Thai police and Thai military have persuaded the Cambodians to let them come over and try and get their own people out of a, a known compound. And then they've actually stood at the door for eight hours and the people running the compound are like, well, no, you're not coming in. And they have to negotiate a certain amount of money at the gate to go and get anybody out of there. And the Cambodian police are just standing there like, I'm sorry, we don't know what to do. Um, and it's just completely insane like how little power they have. And they're not willing to go against powerful people in their own country i think as well there's it's important to realize just how powerful these organized crime groups are in southeast asia and there's a lot of discussion about like you know the cartels in latin america and 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 how huge they are and the power they have but there's more money being made in say the drug trade and within organized crime in southeast asia but it's not nearly as violent and that is because they have such a monopoly over it all because they, they are often not just like bribing the government the governments of like cambodia specifically but also Laos and Myanmar is a whole other story they're actually actively involved in this there are high level officials who facilitate the trade of drugs of weapons of people of of, of timber for the entire region and, and it's often these like Chinese organized crime groups are able to basically do whatever they want as long as China is kind of happy with them so it works out as this like belt and road initiative like for the mafia basically yeah 
Yeah, no, it's it's, it's hugely tragic. Um, mm. And yeah, I guess we don't do many calls to action at the end of our episodes, but in this case, <laughs> please commission more stories by these guys because what they're doing is amazing. Thank um, thanks so much for coming on the show, guys. Like that was... Wow, there's a lot of information there, and uh, I think I think you've broken it down really, really amazingly. Um, hope to hear from you soon, and, and best of luck with uh, the future stories from that trip. Because yeah, there's a lot more to come, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks a lot. It was yeah, great to so see much. you. Cheers. And just a postscript to this episode: since originally airing, Nathan and Lindsay did publish more from their investigation. And you can read their story about the criminal casino empire in the South China Morning Post. We've linked to that piece in our episode description. I'm Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer. And Sarah Wyman is our writer-reporter. The show was mastered by Gabriella Glick. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Wolkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking. And our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks this week to the Underworld Podcast. You can find their work anywhere you listen to podcasts and at underworldpod.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. That's a wrap for this week. I'm Dina Templerest. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.